Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Today on the show, we have Lauren Conlon, who has been on the show before, but today we're going to talk about uh, building a career in the fitness industry. So Lauren, for anybody who um, maybe hasn't heard your first show or isn't aware, can you give everybody an intro to who you are and what you're up to? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on again. I really, really appreciate it. And I cannot wait to dive into this topic. So I am the owner of Team Local Fit. We're an online coaching and consulting business. I would say primarily we focus on nutrition and, and mindset and habit building. And that's been a big shift in our business, which I know that we're we're going to talk about on this episode. Uh, we also have an app as well, which is different than our coaching. So different services for meeting people at different places uh, in their fitness journey. And I also write and speak and present and you know create content. I also work with First Form as one of their elite trainers. So I kind of do a little bit of everything, but coaching and educating is my main thing. Uh, and then everything else kind of stems from that. <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of first form, you've been doing 75 hard, right? You're, yes. you're getting towards the end of that. Yes. Everybody. It's so funny. Everybody asks me what day I'm on, but <laughs> I haven't, all I know is that it ends on my birthday. Okay. I didn't, I'm not thinking about the day. So today is day 66. So I'm almost yeah, done. Almost there. Um, and it's been, it's been interesting. You know, obviously I've, I, I've worked with first form for goodness, um, six or almost seven years now. And so I've known about the program, you know, pretty, pretty extensively, probably more than most people do. And, um, I've, I've always really appreciated it and loved the idea of it. And I was like, you know what, like January 1st, why, why don't I do this? You know, last year I was working a lot on my own mental, you know, things in my own life, which was very physically draining, but I, I was kind of slipping, you know, with like not really training enough, not eating enough, you know, all those kinds of things. So yeah. I was like, you know what, I need to get on something else a little bit more regimented and it's been going really great. So I am very pleased with it. What I love about it is that it's, it's very structured, but it's also flexible in the sense of it's not saying exactly what you need to do. It's right. You no, know, Hey, follow a diet. And that can, that diet can be different for everybody. You know, I've coached clients through it and everybody's diet looks different, right? So um, the training is, hey, you just need to have these two sessions. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, so I do like that aspect to it, but it is still rigid enough to where you're like, all right, like I'm going to do this today. Not, I'm going to avoid doing that today. The biggest thing is that I just want to, I want to have a drink. You know, I just, love, <laughs> I, lo I love a good cocktail bar. I love the whole atmosphere and all that. So that'll be. So you'll get perfect. to do that for your birthday. Yes, it'll be perfect. We're hosting actually a small event that weekend um, in Tampa um, with a few clients and just other people. So it'll be um, a perfect time to celebrate and kind of hang out and, and um, have some have some great drinks. <laughs> yeah. So I, I assume most of the days, one of your uh, sessions is lifting. What have you been doing for your second workout of the day? So actually my daily is a walk. So I'm really okay. big on, I love walks. I typically was already doing walks. Um, I will try to time them up uh, early in the morning and then also later in the day for, you know, the AM and PM light exposure. Um, however, now with 75 hard, I, I don't have time to do two walks and yeah. it's just not, it's not going to happen. So I either do a morning walk or, you know, try to time it up towards an evening walk. And because one of the workouts does have to be outside. Um, yeah. So typically I'm doing that. Um, I did just mess up my foot at jujitsu the other day. So I literally brought my, I can barely like walk right now. So I'm like, oh, great. This is a perfect way to end the program. Yeah. <laughs> so I brought my like shitty spin bike outside in my, in my uh, driveway. And it's like, it's so old and so loud. I feel really bad. Gosh, I'm really, <laughs> really sorry, every neighbor for this 45 minute squeaking. But um, so typically though, I'm walking and then generally four to five days I'm lifting. And then I might do uh, yoga um, for one of the other workouts. I might do like a little CrossFit cardio class that I sometimes join um, or I might do a second walk. It really just kind of depends. So that's generally the, the split that it's been doing. Cause I know personally, like if I lift every day, my body's just like, yeah, yeah. we're, we're not, we're not doing that. And Maybe people who do yoga consistently, 45 minutes of yoga is not hard for them, but for your girl, it's hard. So that's oh a workout gosh. for, that's a workout for me. <laughs> yeah. I just started doing like 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes of it twice a week. And it's, it's tough. It's also, it's very mentally, you know, um, stimulating, right? Like yeah. you really, it's, it's kind of like a grind, like it, it's a grind in a different way. Cause you want to be like present and like feeling your body through the movements, but then you also like, man, like I've kind of been doing yeah. this for a while. Like you I know, just like, want to get out of this pigeon pose right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I can lift for 45 minutes and be like, Oh, okay. Like I, I have a general good time sense of that with the yoga. I'm like, okay, like how, how much longer we got, you know, but it yeah. is, it, it's, it's a good practice. So I've been using, awesome. it's called the down dog app. Have you ever heard of that for uh -huh. your listeners who maybe are interested in yoga, but not necessarily like 
don't want to commit to a studio or don't have one near them or, or whatever. Um, there's this app, it's called down dog. And what's really great about it is that you can log in and you can choose how long you want the session to be. So anywhere oh, from yeah, like, cool. I think 10 minutes to an hour, um, you can pick like the type of practice that you want, the level that you're at, um, type of music. So it, it's pretty nice. And they do like demonstrations and guide you through it. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed it so far using it for this program. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to have to look at that. Um, we're just searching random YouTubes right now, which works, but you know, yeah, this, this is, this is solid. And it's like, it was like 40 or 50 bucks for the year. Nice. Like, so you have been, how, how long have you been coaching? it will be 10 years, um, this spring. Okay. All right. Yeah. So were you- <laughs> I started personal training, um, about 12 years ago. I, I did that okay. for a little while, a short stint of that. And then, um, uh, that was like right out of high school. I basically got my training certification and I trained some people in person. I was also helping out with some uh, kids fitness camps, which is horrifying if anybody knows me <laughs> with kids, but I don't know. The, the interview process was not too stringent. <laughs> um, just kidding. Just kidding. They were all fine. Um, I'm just making a joke at myself, but um, so I did some of that. And then I started coaching online um, in 2013 and in that, in the spring. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, let's see. My son was born in 2013. I, I was already training in person, but I got started with coaching like right after that, basically online. So around that same time, um, were you different? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I, it, I cringe at how we got started. Um, were were you an athlete growing up or what made you want Mm -hmm. to get into that? You were? Yeah. So, um, I, I was pretty much an athlete my, my whole life. I rode, um, equestrian competitively. So short, okay. showed horses competitively, um, hunter jumpers, equitation for anybody listening who knows what that is. So, um, the fancy English saddles and you jump over things and you do patterns. Like that's what I did. And I did that for about 13 years. And then when I got to high school, I ran track and cross country also. Um, so I was literally either, um, taking care and riding my horse and showing or at track or cross country. And then I also found the gym at that point. And I was like, you started lifting when I was 16. So then on any kind of free time I had, I'd be going to the gym to do spin classes or to lift. I was just a maniac. Um, I grew up with an eating disorder very young. So about eight years old is kind of when things started to develop. So I kind of always had a different perspective in terms of all that. And, um, you know, obviously coming from a disordered place, right. Um, and then, you know, going to a therapist, going to a registered dietitian and then eventually recovering, but then finding out, Oh, okay, wait, like in college, like, cause I, I was a very good student. I just didn't really have any particular interests. Like I just kind of was fine with everything. <laughs> um, but finding out that you could like, oh, wait, I could actually make a career out of like what those like telling people like how and what to eat. Like that's that's literally what got me to go to Florida State. Um, I did later change my major um, to exercise science just because the dietetics program wasn't the fit for me. Yeah. Um, but I did do that for about two years. And it's just so ironic that literally full circle now thinking back to like 17 year old me like, oh, someone gets paid to tell people like what to eat. That is literally my career at this point, which is kind of hilarious when you think about how that works. Like I'm actually just putting that together right now. Like that's <laughs> just so it's just so wild how how that works. Um, but yeah, so I was an athlete and then I also got in because I was so into lifting. Um, I saw my first show when I was 18. And at that point, like as soon as I finished um, school, I was like gym full time. You know, I joined a meathead gym. This is where I started training people. And I thought that this was a normal culture, which yeah, <laughs> it was not. I have learned I was so, so lucky. Like the fact that that was like, I mean, my first gym was like the Y. So like, I don't even count that. But the the first real gym that I joined was like this like meathead central and everybody was, you know, into competing or even just not even just training hard, you know, and we had a really motley crew of, of individuals and that's how I got into all this. And then I did my first show at 19 and then kind of all went from there. Took it from there. <laughs> yeah. So when you, when you got into um, the program is it's USF, right? For my master's, I went to USF. Yes. Okay. So did you start out, um, with Bill Campbell as a mentor or was that later on? Yep, absolutely. So when I was at, um, I was at Florida state, I didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do. Like I said, I did switch majors kind of halfway through. I was playing yeah. catch up, you know, really kind of cramming to finish because exercise science at Florida state is 
is a real bear. Um, but I was like, I don't know really what I want to do besides I have more questions, you know, like I, I have questions that are unanswered. And at the time I was working with Lane Norton and he, you know, was a big proponent of, of, of school and, you know, more graduate degrees. And he was like, well, why don't you think about applying for a master's or a PhD? And I was like, okay, you know, I guess. And my parents were like, you're smart, you know, this is what you're good at. So let's, you know, sure. <laughs> and um, so I applied to a few different programs and then I will never forget the day that Dr. Campbell called me and he said, Hey, um, you know, I, I want to train, I want to do female physique research. And I'm like, I'm literally at the gym. I'm like, yo, there's like two fucking girls. Yeah. Like, I'm like, bro, th- mind you, this is 2013. Not, not now. Right. I'm like, this guy's nuts. And he's like, I have a deadlift platform and a squat rack. And he's like, hyphen it up. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, cool. And I'm like, this guy sounds like, at least he's interested in this stuff. Like I, I'm here for it, you know? And then we ended up meeting and it just, it was just the perfect fit. And um, he has been absolutely the biggest mentor in my life that I've had um, for so many reasons. And even to this day, I I, I still stay in contact with him. He's going to be at that event next week that, that I'm talking about. Um, I, I call him up and we, we talk all the time, but he was, he was absolutely the big, most pivotal person in my life at that period of time. Um, not only just for like, him as an individual, you know, he's very, he's very direct. Um, he says kind of how he feels. Um, and he also is very, like, he's a great mentor. So like, I would come, you know, with questions about stuff that we were learning, but then also like, what do I do? Like, what should I be doing with life? What should I, and then that would turn into like other discussions of like business and leadership. And like, it was just, it was just so great. So, yeah. um, yes, he's absolutely been a mentor to me and, and was from the beginning. And, and thankfully when I came in, I said, I have this idea for a study and <laughs> just absolutely nuts. I don't know how we pulled that off. And he was like, okay, I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. I, there is absolutely a ton of hard work that goes into becoming successful, but there's so many like just little lucky things that happen. Like you just being in that same area as him and then being able to, to mentor under him. So that's really, really cool. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Even like I said, when growing up and being in that, that random community of, yeah. of, of meatheads, right. And, and having some of the people who were so influential in my life and um, you know, that basically the person who told me to, to do a competition, I would have not done one had she not said you should do that. And I was like, what? And, and you kind of, she was one of those people that you just didn't really say no to, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. She, she was like, the, she was a, like an ex bodybuilder herself, female bodybuilder from Germany, very strong accent, tall, you know, beautiful, strong woman. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah I'll, I'll do a show. Sure. It's, I, what do you say? I'm going to say no to you. And I remember going home. I'm like, I think I'm going to do a bodybuilding show. My parents were like, what? And I was like, <laughs> study said so. So we're just, we're going to roll with it. And it's just so crazy to think of like those pivotal, pivotal people and moments in your life. Yeah. So you got started with coaching. Um, you graduated with your, your master's and then what has the journey been like since then? I mean, now you, you own your company, you have mm-hmm. a, an app a podcast, like all of these things. What is the journey? Like, what's the the in-between been like? Wow. Yeah. There has been a lot of, a lot of in-between and a lot of change and a lot of redirection. And, and, you know, we were kind of talking about it before, like, um, you know, wow. So much has changed thinking about 10 years ago, not only with our own practices and how we do things, but also like just to the industry in general, you know, people in general, so many things are completely different. Um, so when I first started, you know, coaching in my undergrad, I had no, I, I was not planning on doing this full time. I didn't really know what I like, what the plan was besides I'm just going to go for it. Sure. Someone asked me to coach them, got a few referrals, got some people at the gym. Sure. I'll just do this, you know? And then I got to the master's program and was very heavily focused on obviously my research in school. And I was, you know, I just turned pro and then I was also competing as a pro. So I was doing that, building the business. And then it was kind of like, what do I do? You know, like, you know, I have obviously people in my ear, like you need to get a real job. You need to get a real, like, what are you doing? You're, you know, you're graduating. And I had just been kind of slowly building there. And then it was like, well, this is kind of do or die. Like I'll, I'll try this. And then if it doesn't work, then I will go do something else. So, um, that's really like, it it wasn't really this glamorous thing of like, Oh, I have this whole vision and intention of being, it just kind of molded. And really when I reflect back on it, um, well, one, I clearly had set that intention back when I was like 17, which is again, now hilarious to think about that full circle, um, without really realizing it. But also I wasn't, I wasn't really afraid And I was just, when you're in that place, when you don't really know kind of what you don't know, you just are, 
are just continuing to move forward. So I was in a place where I, I was kind of like, all right, I'll just keep trying. I'll keep, I'll keep adjusting. And it gets a lot harder once you're a little bit more established because, you know, you want to push and you want to make changes and you want to be fearless, but you also know that, okay, I've made mistakes. I have failed before. Now I have people counting on me. Now there's like this perception and this judgment and like, we will hold ourselves back for that. So early on, I would say that it was really just kind of like, let me just do, let me just try. Um, my last semester of grad school, or one of my last semesters, I went to Australia to speak um, with with Lane and Eric Helms and Paul Ravella. And we did this whole tour and I came back and I was like, all right, well, I'm graduating. I, I guess I'm just going to try. And then that's when I took the business full time. Um, and then that's what I've been doing ever since. But the evolution of it has been so much because for a while, um, because I was competing and I was very heavy in the competition world, um, I would say that that was definitely more of like what I was attracting, what I was putting out. Um, and then I semi-retired, I don't really call it retiring, but I haven't competed since the end of 2018. Um, and just with kind of how I've made progressions and kind of like how I've been able to see things in the industry. Now, you know, we have a lot of clients who I still do work with many physique competitors, um, but also a lot of people who are like, I'm not sure if I want to compete again, but I'm trying to transition into a different life now, or at least transition in this off season to something that is a semblance of normal. Right. <laughs> um, so I would say that over time, things have evolved in terms of our message. Um, started doing, I've done several podcasts now. It's crazy. <laughs> like when I really think about it, I'm like, I have done so many podcasts that me and Paul used to have a podcast. Me and my friend Celeste used to have a podcast. And now we have um, our our own podcast. And I looked the other day, we had like 275 episodes. I'm like, how, how have I had done? So? Like, that's crazy to me. Um, but it's really, it all stems back from, okay, how can I coach and educate people? Like, that's all that I really care about. Um, whether they're personal individual clients or, you know, just kind of people in our space, that really is my goal because um, there is so much information out there, but unfortunately I feel like a lot of it is filtered through not always the best lens. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say my nice answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just trying to put out things to disseminate really how people are are changing, how they they view themselves and how they view change and, um, you know, what they can actually are capable of, you know, like you're a lot more capable than you think, you know, like, yes, you can do this eight week quick fat loss plan and then rebound, but like you have it in you to actually do a lot more than that and actually have the like health and physique and performance that you want. But a lot of people, it takes them a while to, to get there and to recognize that. So it's a big part of what we try to share. Like, I want you to have this belief and create this belief about yourself, live this new identity, live this new lifestyle. And then whatever goal that we want to stack or adjust or change from there is exactly what we can do. Yeah. It seems like you all have a, a really big focus on the mental health side of things. Is that like a newer evolution or is that kind of always been there? Is that from transitioning out of competing or from the background of disordered eating? Yeah. You know, it wasn't really something like that one day I just woke up and was like, this is again, this is what we're doing. It was more of this natural evolution of the things that I was seeing. And the more that I was, I've been able to coach and speak with people over time, I've been able to detach and reflect a lot better on the lessons that I'm learning and the patterns that I'm seeing. And I started to really recognize that like, these are the patterns that are underlying most things, which is why we've kind of made this shift, not even really super intentionally. Now it's a little bit more in intentional, but like, it wasn't really that intentional. It was just like this, these are the issues that people are presenting with. And this is where I feel like we can help the most. Um, so I would say that, yes, we do put a large emphasis on that um, because it is at the root of everything, you know, and, and this was certainly not how I coached in the beginning, right? Like when I first started coaching, it was again, you know, 2013, 14, 15, like all, all you know, hit your macros and that in, okay, cool. You know, like that's what we were doing and yeah. that's how I was being coached. And, and there is a time and a place for that. I'm not going to say that there's not, um, but there's a different type of coach for everybody. And the type of coach that I want to be wants to look at the client as a whole um, and wants to really be able to assess these other things and these other lifestyle factors and stressors and things that are going on in their life. Um, and I can't do that if I'm only seeing if you've hit your, your macros or not. Now, if I'm working with a physique competitor, you know, hey, there are just some, some weeks where it's like, got to put our head down and just do this, you know? Oh, hey, we're making weight for a jujitsu competition. Okay. Like we just got to do it. You know, I don't, I don't really care that you feel shitty. <laughs> you're going yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna to feel too. shitty. Right? right. So, I mean, of course there's, there, it's not just about like, oh my gosh, how, how's everything feeling? You know, there, there is this blend of, um, you know, 
quantitative, but also qualitative feedback that is so important. Um, and I feel like in the space, a lot of people are either focusing only on quantitative things, like only numbers and data-driven changes, or they're only focused on qualitative things and this kind of like just too, too feels the kind of approach. Right. And I feel like some people, obviously there's some people who respond to both of those and, and need those. Um, but I think that that combination really is what the the space is missing. And I would say that around the time I, I did my research in 20 over the year of 2015, analyzed some stuff in 2016, we didn't publish it actually until like 2021. But um, as I was going through few years later, about 20, 2018, 2019, I started noticing these changes with clients. Um, and so my research focused on how different types of dieting affect weight loss and weight regain. So when we're talking about how someone's restraint, like the model of restraint in terms of dietary behaviors would be flexible and rigid restraint. And okay, how did these two things, like, do they affect, like, we see that they affect um, people in the literature. How does this affect people in um, a tracking macros group versus a meal plan group? And how is this affecting not only weight loss, but weight regain? And so after I did this research, I had a much broader understanding of like, wow, there are so many different ways that people can make changes, you know, Um, and the meal plan isn't always bad and the macros aren't always good and then vice versa. Right. And so that kind of really opened my eyes. But then I started to see in 2018, 2019, okay, all the issues that I was having with clients in terms of, or all the issues that I'd read about in terms of rigid restraint, I had also, I was now experiencing with clients who were flexible dieting, quote unquote. And so that's really when the big shift started happening was me recognizing, okay, there needs to be something that's more than necessarily just tracking macros um, as kind of the proxy for how someone is, is doing. So that's really where the big shift kind of started to happen, I think, is when I just continued to see these repeated patterns and recognized, okay, this is really where a lot of people are struggling. And then it's kind of, it's kind of gone from there. Yeah. So is that something where you've just kind of accumulated knowledge with working with clients in that realm, or have you had like specific mentorships or courses or anything like that on the mental health side? No. So I have not um, up until this point. Um, so this is all self self-study, self-reflection. Um, I mean, I do read, read quite a bit. If you can see the bookshelves over yeah. here um, on the video. So I, I do read quite a lot. I do consume um, what I would consider a, a decent amount of, of content in, in that area, in that space. Um, but primarily I would say that it's been through my own learning and then my own reflection and really trying to integrate those things for clients. Um so no formal training up until this point. Um, yeah, but, but you've that, had so many clients, like you have many, yeah. many data points and now you're able to relay, yeah. relay that info through mm-hmm. like your podcast and content and stuff. So that's really cool. Yes. Yeah. And we do have on our, on our team, um, we do have a mental health counselor, um, uh, Rick. So he, if you guys listen, if you, anybody listens to our podcast, you'll hear him pretty much every other week. So he, he is a therapist. He's been a therapist for over 10 years. He's absolutely incredible. Um, he was actually one of my jujitsu instructors and I was like, oh. you know, we started having conversations and I'm like, what do you do? Cause I don't think it's this, you know what I mean? And yeah. he's like, oh yeah, I'm a therapist. I'm like, oh, got it. And, um, so I really, I've learned so much from him. So I guess an informal mentorship would just right. be like our kind of conversations and, and, um, you know, not only on the podcast, but also outside of that. So it's, you know, yeah. And diving into some of the literature and just reading different things and, um, yeah, I, I, I might change that. I'll put, I'm going to put that out into the universe. It might be changing a, a, a more formal direction, but um, up until now it's been mostly self-study and like you said, the, really using the data points and being able to, okay, what am I consistently seeing? And that's where the art of coaching comes in. And I always try to explain to people like, yes, we need numbers and science, um, but there is an art form to reading things and making changes. And this goes for, in person or online, right? Like you can, if you're working primarily online, you start to develop and recognize your client's tone and how they're writing things. And of course, everybody has off weeks. You know, I don't expect somebody like if they, if they normally type a certain way and then the next week they type differently, I'm not like, oh my God, code red, like what's going on? No, of course, everybody has weeks. But if I'm starting to see patterns and trends in the, in the verbiage that someone is using, 
how they're just sharing their thoughts, what they're saying. Um, and that comes down to asking the right questions. And same if somebody is training in person, you can also see somebody's body language. You can see what is changing week to week. You can see, again, like everything from their posture to their facial expressions to the energy they're giving off, like all of those things matter. So you're able to then as a coach, use those different types of things to say, okay, what am I seeing here? What patterns am I seeing? How does this line up with other things that I've seen from previous clients? And then you start to develop more of this framework of, okay, what do we need to change? How can we address this? And that's really more of that art of picking up really where somebody is at and it can be done in an online space. Um, but it, it, it does, it does need to be pretty, pretty nuanced. Yeah. So you're, you've been coaching, like you said, since 2013, you, um, speak at different events and things like that. And I would say are like a very highly respected name in the fitness industry. So for somebody who is like a newer coach, what, what do you think first is, um, like some, some personality traits or qualities in that type of person who could develop that type of career for themselves. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. I really, I really, truly appreciate that. Um, did not want that to go unnoticed. So thank you. Um, in terms of qualities. So I would say having an ability, number one, to detach. And if anybody here listens to Jocko Willink's uh, content, I would say, if you don't go do it, he's great. Um, but he talks a lot about this power of detachment. And I think people hear the word detach and they think, oh, that's emotionless, right? And it's it's not emotionless, but it's not letting your emotions guide you, right? And it's not letting external things determine your decisions. And also when you're able to detach, you're able to see things a lot better. So I use this in the framework of coaching. Like I consider myself to be this detached observer in my client's life, right? Okay, I have a general idea about what is going on, right? Based on some previous things that they've told me previous weeks that we've had together. And then they're choosing to share certain things about their lives. And most clients share most everything with me because that's the kind of relationship that we have. Um, So, but I, I am not in, I am in their life, but I'm not right. So I get to be that detached person who's able to say, Hey, okay, you've said these things before or this, that, whatever, Um, you know, now let's make these changes or, you know, they're being emotional that week. I don't need to also react emotionally, right? Um, And being detached, you're able to take that step back and you're able to really now see kind of what are some of the problems that could be influenced and stuff. And, and I'm not going to lie that this is, this is a skill that takes a lot of work. And this also is a skill that everybody I think should develop in their own just regular life. Um, again, not being emotionless, but not letting your emotions drive you, um, is will save you a lot of, a lot of pain, <laughs> um, and a lot of just problems in your life. So that would be number one. Um, because when you're able to do that, you're able to really learn and put together, like we've just talked about a few minutes ago, like how do, how do we know when to make changes? Right. And it's almost like, I'm sure clients out and they're like, well, how do I just knew, right. Like, and they're like, what? And it's like, it's, it's because of all these things that I've seen and I've witnessed over the past few weeks, this was the right, this was the right choice. Like, Oh my gosh, it was like, I feel so much better or this worked so great. Yes. I would only be able to see that because I'm detached and I'm able to recognize these patterns within you and make these decisions. Um, so that's number one. Number two, being genuinely like curious to learn more things, um, I think is absolutely necessary. And I, you know, that's kind of like a cliche thing, always be learning, but really there are always things to be learning. And this is not just traditional, like, um, you know, it could be from books. It could be from, uh, you know, peer reviewed literature. It could be from podcasts. It could be from events. It could be from clients, could be from your own life. So there's not one thing that is better than the other. You know, nobody wants a coach who just spits out PubMed abstracts all day. Like that's not like, that's, that's great. If that's what you are doing as a researcher and a scientist in the field, like that's a great role for you. But if we're talking about coaching, um, that's not the only place that we're going to get information. Now, likewise, doesn't mean that you should avoid that either. Right. And just like, oh, well, I saw this before and it's going to work. Yes, it could. And then let's see, kind of let, I always try to say like, let evidence guide you, but then let like evidence-based, you know, research and books and, and previous information guide you. But then we really want to use like the current experiences and what is unfolding in the client's life to make those changes. So being curious and being open to learning new things. And, and also kind of like a subset of this, I guess, it's similar, but different being open to just in general, being open to change your methods, being open to change your approach, being open to 
you know, there are some times where, you know, a client will challenge you and that can feel very like, oh, well, they shouldn't challenge me, right? Like it's the initial, like that reaction to like our ego. Um, but it's like, well, maybe this is actually a good thing. Like, why don't we try this? You know what I mean? Being open to new methods, new methodologies and recognizing that there are a million different ways to do what we're, we're talking about human beings, you know, and there are so many different approaches. So um, it's kind of a subset to curious and learning would be a high level of openness. Um, oh gosh, there's so, there's so many, there's so many other ones, but I'll, I'll stick with those, <laughs> those few right now. <laughs> yeah. Talking about kind of detaching, that's something that in our meetings, we've had several talks about with like, Hey, you can't let like this discouraging check-in like sway how you're coaching them from then on. And like being that emotionally invested, but also detached observer, it's so, it's so easy to get sucked into living and dying by your client's results. Cause you want it so bad for them. But that, I think that that's a good word, like detached, um, just like seeing what's going on and being very, very objective with yeah. that. You have to be because what we do is so personal, right? Um, and again, everybody coaches differently. So I'm aware that, you know, some people are going to have different styles, but um, I, I've adopted a style and I know a lot of coaches have as well, where, you know, we really are asking a lot of questions that are are, are pretty in depth, you know, and not just in depth in terms of like the information that we need to know, but these are pretty deep questions that somebody needs to reflect and share. And yes, I need to know if you hit you know, did you train? Did you do your cardio? Did you hit your food? And then if you didn't though, why, right? There's so, there's so much more behind this. Why? And I could guess, I could, I could maybe estimate, um, and have probably like land pretty close, but clients are needing to share all these things in their life. So it is going to be very emotionally driven. And then, you know, just the nature of, again, what we do, like people are emotionally driven to get those results, right? Because they want to make a change so badly. And as coaches, we are emotional because we want them to make that change. But if we're, everybody's emotional, <laughs> then yeah. no change is going to be able to happen. And then it's just a flurry of high highs and low lows. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say that every day I walk away like, you know, Marcus Aurelius and I'm like, oh, just so stoic. Like <laughs> nothing bothered me today. Like, no, hell no. <laughs> there are some times where certain things, people say things, whether they mean to or not, and it is very hurtful, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe it wasn't, they didn't even mean it, but you took it hurtful that day because of the other five things that happened previous to that, right? So there are just some days where things really, really hit us or a client shares something that is really hard and heavy and they they share that with us. Like there is a burden that you carry as a coach when somebody shares that kind of information with you. Like I don't take that stuff lightly. So there are some days that are, are going to be a lot heavier, but that can't be what is driving your responses. And it is, and that's where boundaries are really important for, for coaching. Um, and it's, it's tough, you know, again, like, cause you want to help everybody in the best way, but there does have to be a, you know, a, a protocol and some boundaries in place because otherwise you will not be able to, to manage, like you, you won't be able to, to do this for long. And I've, I've experienced that myself. I've experienced that with other coaches that I've known. Um, and when people let that start driving them, it's, it, it's it, coaching is so emotionally draining when that's yeah. where you're operating from. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I think hearing from you as someone who's been involved in the research that we should be evidence-based, but not, I've heard it before as evidence-based, but not evidence-bound, like still mm -hmm. being able to use anecdotal evidence and that specific client's life that whatever's going on at that moment. Um, I, I think that's really important to hear from, from you, because I think, um, it, it, it can get to a point where you're almost like a little bit scared to use any information outside of just what the research is saying in that moment. So that's, that's really helpful. So we've got, let's be evidence-based, but not be tied to that. And then also um, being detached in a way from, and being very objective. So is there anything else that you feel like would be something that would be helpful for, um, a newer coach to be looking for in terms of like how to be a pro in the fitness industry? Yes. I would definitely say, you know, being curious, being open to new methods, um, recognizing that the way that you've done things 
up until this point may change, right? And that goes not only for your coaching interactions, but just how you structure your business. You know, change is really scary, but at some point it's like, hey, maybe we do need to adjust and 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 change this. Um, and being open to those things, not so open that you're so like, you know, flit in the wind, like you're just kind of like, okay, like I don't know what's up and what's down. Like you have to, of course, be be structured. Um, but being open so that you're not only like, hey, this is how we do things and this is the only way. Like there's a million different ways to do things. Right. And that kind of goes back to that evidence-based kind of principles. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, like we have set things that we're pretty much going to do, right. Like we're going to operate out of these principles, but then the, the art of the coaching is really where <laughs> we're going to determine those tiny changes based on what the client needs. Um, and then I would say for, for coaches constantly putting yourself in a learning environment is really important in like a challenging way. Um, and I get it. We're all busy as we're all really busy. Like I'm fully aware of like life and everything going on. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that you need to like, you know, go to every event that ever happens. And I understand that obviously people have budgetary, you know, budgets as well. Um, but the best ways that I've learned in life, um, absolutely have come from the times where I've gone out of my way to, to go and learn things. And I, I listen to people and I connect with people and it's not even just the actual event itself. Right. Or even let's just say like a book, for example, right? Like, Hey, like I really want to dedicate to learning more. I want to go to two events going forward. I'm going to go to two events every year, um, ideally in person. And then I'm going to set like a, like a book goal for myself. Right. It's not always what you're just learning there. Like the the talk could be this or the book could be on this. But what I often find is that when we're in the process of learning new thing, it also just stimulates our brain to think about other kind of areas and opens up those that creativity aspect. Um, and that's where a lot of that magic occurs too, is like, okay, someone could be talking about this at an event, but then, oh, that actually sparks me. Like, what about this? Right. And it might be another question. And maybe you ask that question, or maybe it's just something that you need to explore kind of on your own. The other thing too, that's great about learning things from different people is that you're not going to like everything that they say, and that's fine. And you can actually use that to your advantage, right? Like, I don't know what happened in the world where everybody thinks that like, we all need to like agree in order to like, <laughs> like, right. Like I don't need to agree yeah. with everything that one person is saying for me to recommend them or, or something. I can read a book and be like, wow, this book was great, but there were some parts just not really it for me. I don't really like that. I don't really agree with that. Here's why this is wrong. In my opinion, I still like and appreciate the book. Same thing with speaking, right? Same thing with learning from people. So it's not like you have to, like, that can also be a good clue too, to be like, Hey, you know, I, I really didn't like how even I didn't even like how they said that. I want to make sure that I don't move forward and use that tone or use that kind of language. Like those are all things that you're able to pick up when you're able to be detached again and be in these positions to where you are constantly learning new things. And I think that that is so important, especially when we're talking about like knowledge-based work, like there is unlimited things that we can learn and that's how your brand and your business is going to evolve over time. Um, and yes, people need to be known for certain things. And I, I do, I do believe in that. Um, but you still need to expand your repertoire of understanding on, you know, certain topics and then just learning new ones as well. Yeah. And specifically with events like that, you're also meeting so many other people that are like-minded. You're making connections. Like we don't do that at our computer. (laughs) It's, I mean, like, this is awesome getting to connect with you here, but like, I've heard you speak at the PEC events and that's amazing. And then meeting other people there and being able to like, then connect with them on Instagram where that is much more personal and you can reach out to them versus connecting there first. Absolutely. I, I, and I know that the world is so like digital now and like, I, I get it. It's much easier. (laughs) Um, but it is so much more, you get so much more out of a, like a two day event than you're going to get in a month of online stuff. Right. Um, obviously there's a larger investment, uh, like typically there's a larger monetary investment. Typically there's a larger time investment. There's the physical, you know, sense of most people have to travel. So it's just more serious. Right. But then you also take it more seriously too. Um, and then you really are immersing yourself and, and it's always a little uncomfortable. And that's also really important too, um, is to be in those situations. And yeah, I, I know that it's, it's one of those things that even if you are working online, like 
doing more things in person, I always say this will help your online communication skills too. Um, Because again, we are working with individuals. So having good people and social skills is absolutely necessary um, when working with, you know, people even in online capacity. Now, do I know great coaches who have huge rosters and extremely successful businesses who have not great people skills? Yeah. I do (laughs) like they exist. I'm not saying you're not saying you have to do it. Um, but as a way to improve yourself as a coach and really set yourself apart, that absolutely is one thing that I think is severely missing now. Um, especially more than ever, because like you said, some people can just literally do everything online. Um, and I touched on this at, at the PC event and it was, um, for, for the last one that we did, I, I did this talk on turning pro and, and, and Jeff asked me to do it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know, Jeff, like, this is so scary. And I was, I literally like, as he was telling me, I was like, okay, how do I get out of this? Like, I, <laughs> like, how can I, um, figure out a better talk? I'm like in his kitchen and I'm like, this is like last year and I'm like, okay, how do I get out of this? Like, that's literally where I was at. And then I was like, no, you're obviously meeting this with, with resistance, but that means that you probably need to do it. Um, and it was, it was very different than my other talks had been very different than all the other talks there. Um, but it was, it was very well received. And especially the, uh, the, I put in a part about loneliness because couldn't be me without being weird and emo for at least one slide. <laughs> so I was like, Hey, I, I was, I was really contemplating not adding it. Cause it was a little like, but it made perfect sense. And everybody was like, wow, that was actually one of the most impactful things. And, um, you know, we are as a society, so lonely. Like it's so cripplingly lonely um, because everything is so connected, so to speak, but we're so separate. And this can especially happen to online coaches and people who work in an online capacity, right? So it's one of those things that it's like, we are trying to help our clients by saying, oh, hey, do these things, da, da, da. But then if you look at your own life, like, are are you taking care of that for you? <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of coaches can fall into that rut of just, you know, just making a podcast, just making a post on Instagram, just answering client emails. And then it, you look up and you're like, I've been talking all day, but literally to nobody, you know, and I'm telling yeah. my clients to go out, oh, go out and do this for yourself this weekend. Go out and do that. Go out and meet new. Like, it's like, wait, I, but I didn't do any of those things. Um, so it's one of it. I think it's something that's really, really important, especially the more that people start coaching. Um, if they are doing it exclusively online is to really focus on that as well. Like, okay, can I go out of my way to not only improve my, my social skills by being around people, but also like, I'm going to be a better coach if I'm not dealing with this like complete empty lack of connection in my life. Yeah. I'm feeling a little called out right now. (laughs) That's definitely (laughs) like how the day goes. If you look at it, like I'm talking to my computer all day long and then like my brain is fried and my family is home at the end of the night. And I'm just like, like a zombie. <laughs> I dude, so. I I totally get it. And and the reality is there's gonna be some days that are like that, you know, like there are certain days that, that we have on our calendars that are just that's that's gonna be it. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to have a six hour morning routine and you know walk in the woods by themselves and you know, I like I get it. Like there, there's there's realities of life, you know, like we all have to do work and have jobs and, and be busy and but finding those times where you can have some more interaction. Um, like one of the examples I used was like, you know, okay. Uh, most people are getting groceries delivered, getting mobile orders for stuff, not even like going out of their way to talk to people. And and again, I get it. Some days it's like, yo, I don't have time. Like I got to just do this, but could you take two minutes to walk into Starbucks and, and walk in and make your order and smile at someone and say something nice. And like, that sounds so silly, but that really, really can make a difference, right? Um, and it's like taking your time to create these little pockets of how can I have interaction? And then, you know, on a, a slower work day or an off day or, or whatever it might be, you know, doesn't need to be extravagant. You know, I try to tell even clients this, like, go do something for yourself this weekend. And I'm not saying you need to go on like a shopping spree or you need to go spend a lot of money, like go, you know, go to the farmer's market and get like flowers that you really like and like spend 30 minutes without your phone doing something that's really enjoyable. Like I'm not saying anything that's unmanageable. Right. And I think that that's where a lot of people can, can get tripped up with, especially stuff like that is that it feels like it's so far away removed from your life that it's like, well, it would take so much time for me to feel like that. No, if you really add up tiny little interactions over the week, 
that will make a big difference. So I'm going to, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to follow you up, yeah. follow up on this. <laughs> yeah, please do. I need some accountability there. <laughs> yeah. It's especially for someone. And I think that with online coaching, it is more of a draw to people who are maybe a little bit on the introverted side. And I mm-hmm. definitely am in that category. And so you can really go down. You're not, are you? Oh no. Oh <laughs> no. It's so hilarious. I hate technology. I hate social media and I am the biggest extrovert you've ever met. And I'm like, I work online. I can barely yeah. turn on my computer and I <laughs> to create content. <laughs> that just goes to show all of those other uh, qualities are so much more important than the actual technical skill and all oh, yeah. that. So, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, even, even for someone who is more introverted, like you, you can definitely get down that rabbit hole of like just doing like just the online uh, interactions and then the grocery pickup, like you said, and not really spending time with in-person humans. But then when you do, you do feel that energy from it and you can see like how important that is. It's just like if you spend your all day inside and then you go out for a walk in the sun, it's like, oh, I actually really, really needed this. Absolutely. And the more it's, it's like anything, the more that you're doing something, the, the better able that you're better, you're able to navigate it. Right. So a lot of times, especially people who are maybe a little bit more introverted or have, have gotten to a place now where they're like, my gosh, I have like no social interaction. And then they go out and then they have a bad interaction (laughs) or or whatever. Right. And they're like, I'll see, this is why the more that you're exposed to that, the easier it is, The, the, the more that you just let it roll. I've, I started traveling a few years ago, like, like quite, quite a bit for, for, really just a lot of different things, right? Different events, shows, speaking here, go do this. Like if there's an opportunity, I'm there. Like I'm making it happen. That's another thing for people. Side side tangent. <laughs> a lot of times I, I hear this and it's like, oh my gosh. And I, I know, again, it comes from a well-meaning place, but like, oh my gosh, like so lucky that you were there, that you saw this person or that this happened. Yeah, I was there on purpose. I set that up. I paid to be there. I did this. I go out of my way to do those things, right? It's not convenient. It costs money. It takes time. But if I can create an opportunity or, Hey, I'm going to be here for this. Let me now stay an extra day or, Hey, let me fly here and go see this person and do like, that's not easy. Like nobody set that up. (laughs) Like I am going out of my way to do those things. So I think that it's another thing too, or another myth that we should just, you know, things are just going to kind of come to us because we're we're working in an online capacity. Like if you want to know people, you have to go out of your way to know people. Yeah. And you don't, and you can't expect them to do that for you or come to you. Like if you want something, like you have to go set it up and it it doesn't mean that you're like, Hey, I'm going to be around. Can I come stay? Like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. It's, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be here. Like would love to connect in this way or, or do that. And yeah. okay. So that's not, in, that's not, um, taking time away from the other person really, you know, I'm not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not inhibiting them. I'm not, um, not like putting them on the spot, you know? So it's not like making them uncomfortable by any means. Um, but I'm going out of my way. Oh, oh, there's this event. This person is speaking here or this is happening. Okay. I'm going to go to that. I'm going to be there. So especially in our space, it is so important to do that. Um, I, I like, I can't say that enough, but back to the, the traveling thing. So everybody knows when you travel, shit goes sideways pretty quickly. Like it just, it just does, you know, there's a lot of moving variables. I'm surprised it doesn't more bad things don't happen. Right. Um, but the more that you do it, the easier it gets. And now when I'm presented with a situation that's like seemingly off the wall, that would have bothered me so much before I would have been all now I'm just, Oh, Okay. Just, just another day at the airport, just another thing. And you become used to it. So it's like, I've gotten myself, you kind of condition yourself to these experiences to where, and I'm also a lot more patient with people. The more that I've done, the more that I've seen, the more people that I've interacted with, I'm actually much more patient and understanding, which um, I think some people would think would be the opposite, but completely not true. So another reason to go out and do more. Get out and say yes to those events. Yeah. Yes. Your, check off all of those boxes at once where you're, you're learning, you're getting human interaction. Yeah. All of it. At the exactly. Same time. Like see a new place. Like, like those are, it's, it's so great. And uh, bonus points. If the events are in cities that you want to visit, that's what, that's yeah, exactly. my favorite thing. Okay. Hey, I like this. Pl- I like these people and I like this spot. Okay. I'll extend my trip another day. Then I can go explore. Now I've hit two things. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, so is there anything, I know we're, we're coming up on time, I'll have to wrap this up, but this has been great. If there's anything that you want to leave listeners with about like becoming a pro coach in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. go for it. Man, um, I, yeah, I feel like there's just so many, there's so many different things, but I really hope that this was cohesive um, enough to provide some clarity. And I would say it would go back to, you know, one final thing to tie it all together is, is recognizing that having mentors and people in your life that you can constantly learn from really, really does help. Right. And this doesn't need to be something that is like super formal. You know, I know some, some coaches offer very formal kind of mentorship programs. Um, but even if it's something like, Hey, like just, I like this person's style, reach out to them. Hey, do you, do you offer like mentorships or consulting like and just see if they do and they chances are they they probably will right and it's about finding people that you know you're like okay i like how they do things like can i learn from from them um i've spent so much money over the years just even just hiring people for just kind of consults like hey can i can i pay you for two hours of your time to just learn this some people it's a recurring thing other people it's just kind of a a one-off thing again going to events you know reading taking things so really just become this person who is constantly learning and reflecting and refining and that is going to look very different for everybody and i think the other thing too is when we start a lot of times as coaches we start one way and then we realize down the line that we want to make changes but we're not really sure how and i think that as we've had this conversation like there's been these kind of pivotal things that have happened in my my business but i never really set like a thing where i was like okay this is going to happen it kind of was just this like evolution. So I think that with the way that like, especially social media makes everything seem with like online coaching and business. And it's like, you got to know your niche and you got to have the perfect (laughs) this and you got to have, you know, 17 people that you like, like, Oh my God. Like, it's just, Hey, do you want to help people? Like, do you have an understanding of like, you know, who you want to help, how you want to help them. And then as you're doing it, recognize again, reflect, refine. Okay. This is working. This isn't. What do I want to change? What do I want to add? And it's this constant process of doing that. They don't need to be big changes. It can be, I'm going to take this question out and add this one to my update. <laughs> like, yeah. but those are the things that over time you start to develop again, better data points, more information from the clients. If someone continues to say the same thing over and over again, okay, well, this is a pattern, right? Not only can I use this information for people previously moving forward, but maybe I need to change this with my approach. So I would just say the biggest overarching theme here is if you want to have a long-term career in this industry, right? Really number one, first and foremost, of course, is taking care of clients and putting their long-term goals and health number one. Like that is the bedrock of everything, which I haven't said, but I feel like it should be the unsaid thing, but we'll just say it. So that's number one. Um, But then number two, recognizing that reflecting and refining and always learning is how you're going to become a better coach. Uh, There is no other way to do it. And you can, you know, you can have a lot of, a lot of degrees, a lot of certifications, but when we're talking about human beings, like we just kind of have to start working with people and really reflecting and refining from there. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Is there anywhere people can find you or anything that you want to plug? Yes. So we mentioned it before, but the podcast is the local fit show. You can find that on um, iTunes and Spotify. It's also on my personal YouTube channel. My Instagram is at Lauren Conlin, L A U R I N C O N L I N. And then our website is teamlocalfit.com for all other information. And you can find our app on there as well. So one on one coaching, consulting, and our app is all on the site. We are going to be going through a rebrand here quite soon. So I'm very excited for that. Um, but I'm not sure exactly on that date quite yet. So we're in the process of that. But um, yeah, that's that's it. And I appreciate you once again for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here and anybody listening. I definitely recommend following Lauren and um, consuming a lot of her content. So thank you for everybody who's listening and we will see you next time.